welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Is prosperity dangerous? A proverb prays for neither riches nor poverty, as riches makes it easy to forget God, and poverty leads to crime. And Jesus advised more than one rich person to sell all they had and give to the poor. But how should we live? Lead teacher Randy Pope starts a new series called Generous Living, Part one of a message entitled Generous Living in the Midst of Prosperity, which covers 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Thank you for joining us today. Be warned, I'm giving you warning right now. This series has the great potential of changing your life. I really believe that. I really believe this series may well change our lives. I hope that on every series, but I have to say this has been unique in that I have taken the last weeks when I've not been teaching and I've spent one week each working on a message, trying to get a little ahead and get prepared and think through this. And I've watched what's happened over these weeks in my own experience and what I'm, what I'm finding to be true from the things that we're going to be exploring during these next five weeks. The subject matter is generous living, generous living. When you hear that, if you are thinking right now, this is a series about giving money. It is not a series about giving money. It will be inclusive of that, certainly, because generous living includes everything. But what we're talking about is generous living. The way we take everything we have, our abilities, our opportunities, our resources, Whatever they may be. And we say, God, I want to be generous by the way I live day in and day out. It's not an easy thing. I know that because here I am sitting before you now as the pastor of this church and the teacher who is teaching you the word of God. And I have to be honest and say, I struggle with this. It just seems to be everything in me wants to turn and hold and say it's mine and no, and I don't want to and do I have to and And instead of a mindset that says, let's just live generously in all things we do. So we're going on a pilgrimage. It's going to be a five-week pilgrimage. I want you to hang into this series tightly because it's going to be a progressive build week by week by week, as I think you're going to find out. I think this has got to be one of the most important matters of life. In fact, if you go to the word of God and you take the subject matter of believe, all right, the Bible says believe a lot, 272 times, in fact. So certainly we would think that's an important subject matter. We take the word pray 371 times. The next word is the word love. And we know that love is important. My goodness. These three, the greatest of these is love. 714 times. Look what happens when we go to the word give in scripture. 2,162 times. I mean, the Bible is just flooded with it. Jesus taught it over and over. It says, give, give, give. It shall be given to you. Just give. Way of life. It's called generosity. These five weeks, we're going to cover two different texts. The first three weeks will be spent in Second Timothy, or First Timothy, I'm sorry, chapter 6, 17 through 19. The last two weeks, we'll go to the book of Second Corinthians, 
chapters 8 and 9. So we're going to take for three weeks a very brief passage, three verses, for two weeks, two chapters. So we'll be going at this a little different way here. These first weeks, so important. We're going to spend the first three weeks talking about generous living in the midst of prosperity. Then the last two weeks, generous living in the midst of others' needs. Now, as we utilize this first Timothy passage, I'm going to make a request. And I think probably 40% of you will do this. I hope, I hope it would be 100%. But what I'm going to ask you to do is to memorize, none of us like to memorize, but to memorize these three verses, one verse per week. All right. If you can't remember them the next week, I don't care. But by the fact that you memorize it where you could say it this week coming up, you will have gained a whole lot from the text by going over it and over it and over it and over it. Okay. I realize that many of you are in journey groups and there is scripture to be memorized each week in your journey group i'm going to appeal to our journey group leaders to give an option but they don't have to if they would switch and let you have this verse instead of the verse that's in your weekly lesson there that we're using then that would be great if you're a hardcore leader you say we're doing two verses we can do it that's your business But I encourage you all, let's memorize this text. Now, let me give you a definition of prosperity. If that's what we're talking about, let's define it. Webster defines it as a state of success or a condition of wealth. Now, let's face it. This is a relative term, right? I mean, you tell me, who who is wealthy? Are you wealthy or are you wealthy? Well, we can all say one might be wealthier than the other, but truthfully, we are all wealthy people here. We're prosperous people. You look at the attractiveness of the people that are in this place, the uh, mental abilities of some of you folks. Oh, my goodness. Brilliant people. Some of you athletes, amazing athletes. Some of you are just personality, you know, off the chart just been blessed with an abundance there some people a whole lot of money the reality is when it comes to money we're the wealthiest of the world you know that don't you i mean do you realize that if you take the people in this country who are on welfare we are making more money on welfare in this country one person income is higher than 95% of all the people in India and East Africa and other places as well. Staggering the type of prosperity that we enjoy. However, most people think that the people that are really wealthy, are really prosperous, are the people who have about twice as much as I do. Or as you do. That's the way we tend to think. I'm doing okay, maybe, and I'm good. And, you know, but really the wealthy people are the people that are prospering. Really, they've got, well, not really true. It's, it's just relative. Okay. Now, one thing I'm going to have to underscore over and over and over again. I'm going to say this. You're going to hear it because you're not going to believe it. But this is the case. Know this, that wealth, abundance, prosperity, is not wrong 
because I'm going to be teaching truth in scripture. I mean, I'll be teaching that and you will assume that I'm saying that wealth is wrong. Scripture doesn't say that. And I'm not going to say that. I don't believe that at all. If so, I have to repent right now because I am wealthy. I am prosperous. The Bible even says that if you meditate on the word of God, you will become prosperous. It's a good thing to be prosperous. It's not wrong. Here's the thing. Please hear this. Prosperity is a dangerous thing. And if we don't believe it is a dangerous thing and we experience it, it'll take you down. And I dare say my prediction would be 99 point something percent of the people in this church don't truly buy into the fact that it's dangerous. You know why I say that? Because most of us are working way too hard, striving way too much just to get more than what we've got, thinking if I get more, I'm better off. And then when we get that, if we can get more, we'll feel like we're better off. In fact, I kind of think like it's, it, must be, it must be somewhat like a, uh, a parent with his or her child. And you say to that child, okay, uh-uh. Junk food, we're going we're gonna to do all the way with junk food. Every now and then I'll give you a little treat here and there, but we're not going to eat junk food. And mom, dad, why can't I have that food? I want some candy. Now, what we know is that candy tastes so good that they're going to want as much as you'll give them. But the reality is it's going to make them sick. It's going to cause them not to be healthy. They're going to become obese, perhaps, if they eat junk food all the time. And therefore, you say, you know, you can't have that. And our Heavenly Father in heaven is saying, there are treats I want to give you. But folks, if you don't understand what these treats can do to you, you will take too much for what you need and you will take it for your pleasure in such a way it will destroy you. You don't want that. And so in his love, he's saying, oh, do them. Don't, don't go there. No, it's good. Okay to have the dessert. Nothing wrong with dessert. But be careful and know what it can do. Then you're okay. And you can eat dessert in proportion as you should eat it. I'm going to give you one other thing before we read the scripture text. I want to put up a, uh, a statement that's going to be an overarching principle about generous living in the midst of prosperity. It says generous living in the midst of prosperity is to recognize prosperity as a formidable threat. Not wrong, but a threat to personal freedom. We've got to quit thinking that the more and more and more I can get of this stuff called prosperity, the more freedom I have and understand as well. And that generosity as its greatest ally, that God has given us this thing called generosity. And he's going to keep pushing us toward generosity to say in the midst of your wealth, a generous person who lives generously, thinks generously. Something's going to be all right. You're going to, you're going to have what you need to combat the threat of that good thing called prosperity. Let's read this. Remember, this is God's word to us. It is accurate. It is truth. And this is what it says, beginning in verse 17, 1 Timothy 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God 
who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let's pray together. Our Father, we're going to ask you now, take us through this series. We're going to offer our hearts to you to do what you want to do to them. Just make us available. And Lord, I pray at the end of five weeks that we're going to find freedom like we've never found it through a life of generosity. Grant it, we pray, in the strong name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Long before Paul had ever taught the text that we've got here, or wrote it. Now, he was very familiar, I'm sure, with the teaching of the wisdom author in the book of Proverbs. He almost parrots the same type of truth or thinking. I'm going to get into this text in a deeper way later in the series, but I want to read it now because it's such a reflection of the same reality. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 30. Right at the end of Proverbs, the author here, who is a wisdom author, I mean, he got great deep insight into life. He, he makes a prayer to the Lord and he asks for only two things. Now, you imagine if you and I could ask for only two things in life, what would it be? Listen to what he says. It says, two things I ask of you, O Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Now, we understand that, you know, falsehood and lies, that's, that can undermine all of life. So you don't want that stuff. And then secondly, give me neither poverty. We got that one. Who wants to live in poverty? Uh-oh. Whoa. Isn't it amazing? He says, please don't give me riches. Just give me only my daily bread. He gives a reason why. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? On the other hand, if I have too little, I may become poor and still and so dishonor the name of my God. Later, we'll understand that God puts some of us in places of, of what would appear poverty, others to riches. It's not that we're called on to live a life of mediocrity, not at all. But he's talking about this mindset, how we see this stuff called prosperity. It's, it, it's like I felt for my children when I was raising my children. You know, I was just afraid of danger. I did not want them to experience danger. And so there were certain things that weren't wrong or, or bad in and of themselves, but I think that's dangerous to my child. Our text is going to mention two of those dangers. The first is pride at the beginning of the verse. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Now, the word arrogant used here in the text is a word that means to be uh, high-minded, meaning to have a high lofty thoughts. In fact, the word actually can mean uh, to think lofty things. Uh, that means of yourself or myself. It carries the idea of being haughty, where a person becomes kind of a haughty individual. 
what happens is you and I know that uh, such type of high loftiness means that we're thinking in a superior way, that I am a little better off. I've got more than you. I'm doing better than you. I'm richly this. I can do this. You can't. I feel good about this. And all of a sudden we feel very superior. As a result of such superiority, there's a self-sufficiency that sets in where we begin to say, and that's what the author of Proverbs is saying, "Uh uh-oh, I don't really... I don't really need to trust you, Lord. I've got what I need right here, right now. I'm doing okay. And there's not even a thought. It's not like it's a willing thing. I'm not going to turn to you, God. It's just, I don't even think about God. I don't need to right now. Which turns to independence. An independency that's very dangerous where we live life as if I'm living on my own. And, And so the The apostle here, writing under inspiration of God, says, look, folks, you've got to know this. Just nothing wrong with prosperity. But I'm telling you what, it's dangerous because unless you have the right thinking about this stuff, it will turn on you. It will lead you to this place of pride. And pride comes before fall. And you don't want to fall. So be very, very careful. My, uh, one of my children was, uh, getting into tennis and I happened at the same time I love tennis and been a big player of tennis for many many years I at the same time was doing the chaplaincy for the ATP on tour and so I'd go to the Grand Slam tournaments and do the chaplaincy and all that and so I got to know players and be with them a lot and so forth and so on and it was such an impact on me watching them many of them very fine people many of them Christians or at least a a handful were, were Christians And I would see them and I would watch them. And so much so did it cause me to see the danger because I saw them living amidst these dangers of incredible prosperity where they're the best in the world in their field. And it's leading to financial abundance and all the things that goes with that. And I remember thinking so consciously, oh, God. I I know you may call my child to be a professional tennis player. That could be the case. Who knows? Who knows? And if so, I want him to follow you. But God, please don't take him there. Don't let him be that good. Don't let him make it that far. Don't let him. Don't. And because, I mean, truly, there was a sense of great fear that I had because I said, I don't want my child to have to live in the dangers that I watched these people living in and often falling to the danger and being destroyed in certain ways. It's never a call to mediocrity. It's never a call to say, I'm not going to give it my best. I'm going to try. Not at all. We got to strive to be everything God calls us to be. But at the same time as we do it, we say, but God, let me not have the wrong view of the things that you give me, whether it be intellectual abilities or physical abilities or whether it be, whether it be organizational abilities, financial, it doesn't matter. It's just, oh God, let me have the right perspective. Let me have the right perspective. Again, I'm going to come back to that text at another time in Proverbs. But the whole idea is be careful. One of pride and then number two, misplaced confidence. So if you look on the text, it goes on to say, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And don't just think of money here. Wealth can come in many different expressions. But rather to put their hope in God. And that's the thing. It's either we'll put it in the things that we have Or we'll put it in God. It tends to be, it's hard to live with both in the same capacity. Unless we've got the proper view of those things saying, 
It's not an advantage. I don't want an abundance. You may call me to it, Lord. I'll steward it. But, oh, God, I know what's the best. It's not to live in danger. That's the ideal, at least. But, you know, God doesn't call us to the ideal, does he? He calls some to have great abundance and some not to have as much as we think we actually need. Wherever he calls us to have the right perspective. This, it says, says, uh, wealth, it's so uncertain. Think about the wealth. We know the many ways it can be lost. Many of you here had a lot of wealth at one time, maybe five years ago. Gone now. You know how it can go. Physically, somebody can be very attractive, beautiful people. All it takes is a little aging. There it goes. The body can be strong and healthy and vigorous and so forth. Little age, there it goes. Bad accident, gone. Certainly, bright minds even. Alzheimer's, dementia, all kind of things. God says, don't think that's going to carry you. It won't. Put your hope in God. There is the answer. All right, so I had preached to this point, which is where we end. Or I should say, pause. Because we're going to take up our gifts and we're going to do something very unusual. We're going to do it every week as we give our gifts. I am at this point ready to initiate the offering. Last night, I go right through with it. This morning, I'm having personal time with the Lord. And I'm reading my favorite author. The man named Finlan. 400 plus years ago, this man lived. I just can't get enough of what he, what he writes. Nearly every day I read something that he's written. And I open up to the very next day. I just, it's a little short readings each day. And I turn to the next reading. And at the topic, at the top, it says, On the Burden of Prosperity. That's the title. I looked down and I said, What? How did he know I'm preaching on this today? What I read, I got to read to you, at least a part of it. Four little brief paragraphs, but longer. I don't think reading is a good idea for, you know, reading a whole bunch of stuff to you. But I got to read this. And I, I hope you'll watch, listen very closely to what he says. And I think you'll go, wow. You mean you read this after your message? Here's what he says. Chains of gold are no less chains than those of iron. And while their wearers are objects of envy, they are worthy of compassion. All they have is a phantom of glory, which gives them no real advantage, but exposes them to the risk of being dazzled and deceived. What is the good of that natural liberty of which we are so jealous? It only sets us free to follow our own unruly inclinations, even in things lawful, to indulge pride and presume on independence. Hmm. Some he leads by bitter privation, meaning by holding back and not giving us what we think we need. Others he seems to lead by overwhelming them with the enjoyment of great prosperity He makes their lot hard and difficult by use of those very things which blind outsiders imagine to be the most perfect enjoyment 
of life. They are like that king we read of, whose hand turned whatever he touched to gold and whose riches were his misery. But you can turn your worldly prosperity into a blessing by leaving everything to God. And there's the answer. What we're going to do is we're going to take our gifts. Each week at this time, we'll take our gifts, and you're going to be watching as you give your gifts. You're going to be watching a very brief film. It'll be the first this week of five episodes. The film builds on each other. If you have to miss, I'm going to ask you to go to our podcast and make sure that you follow in this series. The movie itself, were you to see every piece back to back to back to back, will just grab your heart. You're going to find this very interesting and helpful. I'm going to close with just some closing words, just a little bit of fallout of it. But, but I want you just to watch this film. Film is not about money, but it's about generous living. In fact, the title of the entire film is Living Generously. This first episode is entitled First. But as you give your gifts, I want you right now at the very beginning, I want you to ask yourself two questions if you choose to give. And the question one would be this. Why did I choose to give what I chose to give? Look at your gift and say, what about that gift? What does it tell me? And then I want you to ask yourself this question. How do I feel about giving this gift? It may be an abundant gift. But inside we're saying, I wish I didn't have to give this much. Or it might be, you know, I, I hope this is okay giving. It may be, I'm delighted and thrilled to give. I wish I could give more. I don't know. But just evaluate what you think as you give. And now give your attention to the screen and watch this first episode called First. Hi, Evan. Solid plan here, Frank. Got all your bases covered there. Good. Do you have that workup from last week? Oh, yeah. Got that right here. Here it is. College, retirement, you name it. Bottom of column C is your total net present value. Cover every expense for life. Stay on track. I'd say that's a realistic goal there. Well, let's take that and double it. Double it? to be safe you're the boss new toy favorite toy it's an old vintage biplane probably worth a fortune at an auction but I can't get him to put it down uh, you know uh, we, we'd mentioned uh, talking through a charitable giving plan alright oh, uh, put that on the list for next week will do thanks again for all your hard work No need to show me out. I know my way. You enjoy the pool. Bye, Cassie. Hold on just a second. Goodbye, Alan. No, I think that's a great idea. They're going to love it. We would be happy to do it, Janice. Okay, see you then. (sighs) She's still having you go to that thing tonight? Uh, That thing would be welcoming back the Davises after three years in the Philippines. Mm. And no, we're not going to that thing tonight. We're not. I said that we could host it here. Cassie. Frank. What is wrong with Janice's house? If you'll excuse me, 
I've got a caterer to call. are some clues for Lindsay. Janice said that they had to leave almost everything behind. You should pull out some stuff for Chris. Send him a support check every month. Wait, are we done doing that then? Ray, you didn't have to do that. Well, glad to do it, Miss Donovan. You know, we had a family at our church, lost their house on a fire. We had to get together for them, too. Blessed every one of us. <laughs> Davises have kids, right? Just one. A boy about Evan's age. Um, Tristan, I think. So now we got kids coming too? Just theirs and ours. Yeah, now. That looks like it could just fly right off the page. Zoom! <laughs> <laughs> Why are you bringing stuff in? That's not your job. No, I just want to. Why? Can I show you something? Uh, a long time ago, God's people used to sacrifice sheep to show how much they loved him. Right? You know, some folk would give him the best of the best. Right? Big and healthy and white as snow. Some of the folk didn't want to give up the good sheep. So they would give God their skinny, sick, spotty, and stinky sheep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which sacrifice do you think would make God happier? The good sheep. There you got it. So, you know, I don't have to carry stuff in and all that, but uh, I just don't want to give God any stinky sheep. <laughs> what are you doing, Dad? Looking for something to give the Davises. They just got back from the Philippines and they don't have much. Mom told me to tell you that they're here. Okay. It has been so long, and we are so happy to have you guys back, right? We'll be right back because I want to bring you to see Janice. Come on. Thanks again for hosting this, Frank. It's very generous of you. Don't mention it. Uh, how are you guys settling in? We're getting there. Tristan here has been quite a trooper. Hey, I wanted to... Uh... Hi, I'm Evan. Hi. My mom said you didn't get to take any toys back with you. We didn't have room. Do you like airplanes? Yeah. This one's pretty neat. You can have it if you want it. Thanks. Wanna go play? Go on. Wow. You must be so proud of him. Yeah. Would you... Excuse me, please.
Mom said you didn't get to take any toys back with you. We didn't have room. Do you like airplanes? Yeah. This one's pretty neat. You can have it if you want it. I think this little movie has a handful of themes in it quickly to comment and close. The first, I think, might be sheep, huh? You remember the sheep. Matthew 22. Somebody comes to Jesus and they say to Jesus, tell me, which is the greatest command? Jesus' response is to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't talk about money. I think we see there the essence of generous living is giving ourself to God and to others. See, I don't think Frank understands anything about real generous living. Not at all. Oh, he gives us support checks. You heard that. I want to let me get a, a charitable trust. But you can see he doesn't understand generosity. So we ask ourselves the question, what are our sheep? And we're going to do this for a whole five-week series. We're going to ask ourselves, what are our sheep? Evans, an airplane that cost him much. Childlike faith, huh? He hears the truth that Ray tells him, and he goes, okay, this is what that means. You see, Ray, Ray is serving. That's, That's his... That's his idea. I don't have any resources, but I can give of my time and energy and so forth. I think the reality is gifts reflect the heart. And what I want us to do is honestly evaluate and examine through this series, where is my heart? Where is it? The second theme would be maybe the theme of first and best. First and best. In Leviticus 22 is an interesting text that uh, says you must present without defect a male from the cattle, sheep, or goats in order that it may be acceptable on my behalf. Do not bring anything with a defect because it will not be acceptable on your behalf. In the Old Testament, you had sheep. Now, it didn't have to be a sheep. That would be an ideal to go to whatever. If you couldn't afford that, you could use a turtle dove, and there were other things. But the idea was that sheep. That was kind of the, that was the, the top of the, the order there. A male sheep without blemish. That was the gift. There's a definition of generosity that I like to use. It says showing a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. That is the idea of generosity. And it's where we begin to say, and Lord, I find it in my heart, a desire to give you the first, to give you the best. It'll change your whole thinking about life. Speaking of which, there's a book that I've just read. It's a very, very short book. I'm going to encourage every one of you. If you go online and buy the, the e version of it, um, I think it's six bucks. Maybe it's $9 for the hard copy. Uh, I don't know. We'll have it in the bookstore, I'm sure, next week or two, but we don't yet. But it's called Plastic Donut. Plastic Donut. If you want a challenge 
and a read that will bless you. You read that book. Go answer more questions than you've ever thought about, about generosity. Plastic donut. The third and final theme, that would be Evan's might. Evan's might. In Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 12, Jesus watched this crowd come around and they were given their gifts at the temple treasury. And here were these people who were given very large amounts. Here comes this widow and she gives two little coins, two simple coins. And this is what he says about it in Mark 12, 43. He says, this poor widow has given more than all the others. They gave from what, from their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything she had to live on. You see, Frank, Frank had the abundance and and it was a struggle to give a little out of the abundance. And then there are these widows to use the illustration of this one woman. They're those that have very little and find great joy in giving what they give. As we come to the close of this particular film, what do we see but Frank? As Frank stands out in front of his pool and you see him looking out and there's this sense of which on his face he's he's got this idea of conviction there's a sense in which he maybe is feeling shame and he's thinking at what he's got and and what how hard it is to give i had a guest here from out of town last night we went out to dinner afterwards and he sat down at the table and he said oh i'm frank well-to-do man, very well-to-do. And he said, I'm Frank. I needed that. What I'm going to encourage us to do is to think about the sheep for five weeks. Ask ourselves, what is our sheep? In the New Testament, we come to the story of Jesus, who is the Lamb of God. Isn't that interesting? The Lamb of God. There's a reason he's called the Lamb of God. And most of you know that it was because only through the death of Jesus, sacrificially giving his life, would we, who were then enemies, become his friend and family. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. And here's going to be the overarching truth of this series. As we think about sheep week in and week out, you'll know this. You're going to watch this film as it continues going to build you're going to see something happening and i hope we're going to see the same thing happening in our hearts i'll encourage you by the way if you want to go online and relook at it you can find it on our website you'll be able to get it on our podcast and then if you miss a week you check it out keep up with the series you got a friend you want to invite take them to the website let them already see the first parts of the movie that they've missed But as we do, we're going to be looking and realizing this, that the focus is about Jesus, the Lamb of God. And here's what happens. When we see the focus as Jesus, we begin to fall in love. We begin to see his unbelievable love for us, that he would give himself fully, even die. And then we begin to see that, and something happens to the heart. And we begin to give our heart to him. And when we give our heart to him, then we start choosing the best of sheep. 
whether it be our time, whether it be our resources, whatever it is, it'll be a change in our hearts. It'll be a barometer to see where our heart is. And our heart reflects our love for Jesus. But always go to the cross. I hope you hear this, folks. Wealth is not wrong. That's not the teaching. But some of us are going to start by giving. And that's where it starts and ends. And what the teaching of this series is, it starts with a heart. And you've got to see the Lamb of God to have the change of heart. Let's pray and let's ask God that he would change our hearts and take us to a place of generosity. Every one of us. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your warning to us as your children. As to these dangers of prosperity. God, do keep us from pride. It'll destroy us. Keep us from misplaced confidence that turns us away from you into other things. Many of us are already examining our hearts enough now to know that, well, there's a lot of room for progress. And we want to walk into the heavenlies. And we want to know that we have lived a life of generosity. So God, grant that we pray. May we see your son, Jesus. May we fall in love with him. May our hearts be so changed that we begin to offer the best sheep of the flock. Grant it, we pray, in the great name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia, with services Saturday night at 6 and Sunday morning at 9 and 1045. Please visit our website for more information at www.perimeter.org. Be sure to visit the media resources section to give us your feedback and find other messages from our teaching team.